You know, we have um, Mercy, Mercy and David. The honeymooners are back. They went all the way to Nigeria to get married. We were willing to just do it all here. Well, I think it was done here, but anyways. <laughs> they went all the way back home to be blessed by their families and friends. So, um, Mercy and David, just give yourselves a wave so people can go and congratulate you. The glow that you see on them is not from the light that's hanging from the ceiling. It just happens to be the glow of love. <gasps> and we have... Uh, the Prinzy, Prinzy couple here, Cassandra and Michael, they too have a, they're, they're honeymooners too. <laughs> so now we've multiplied by marriage, we just need to multiply by births. In God's time. <laughs> In God's time, we'll believe for children, amen. Because that's a blessing upon the home. Young people are dismissed. Children are dismissed if you haven't been dismissed already. Today, um, well, I guess it's 11.10. Okay. We could do this. <laughs> Nobody's roast will burn today. Yeah. We are looking at Joshua chapter 3 today. Follow my voice, the great crossing over. Follow my presence, actually. I guess I changed my title, eh? So it was, um, was a, a battle in my mind yesterday. Amongst many little titles that could go to this beautiful passage of God's demonstration of power. And um, I started with follow my voice. I started with crossing over. I started, and then anyways, I ended with what's up on the screen. Is it on the screen? Follow my presence. Praise the Lord. Let's read from Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. <laughs> that, that person's playing catch up from the whole week. <laughs> I don't know who said woo, but that's awesome. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim and they came to Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And the end of three days, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. I'm going to pause for a moment because you all need to underline that. And if you can't underline it in your Bible, then underline it in your mind. You have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the, the Gershites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and all themites. <laughs> Should have just said that from the beginning. 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you in the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all of its banks, Throughout the time of the harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down towards the sea of Arabath, the salt sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over Jordan. Isn't that great? It's all done now. That's all you needed to know. It's all you needed to know. There was a body of water, and God passed them over on dry ground. Here are the children of Israel, and... It has been 40 years since they had been taken from their wilderness place. 40 years. It, a, a trip that should have taken them 14 days. Can you imagine if I were to tell you something, uh, a route that you could have gotten to church this morning that would have cut your time in a fraction? that you would have been here much quicker, would you not have taken the time the quicker route? Instead, they were caught up in their, in their grumblings, in their disobedience, in their complaining. And so here, what formerly was a group of people that had been delivered from the Egyptian oppression, they were under for 400 years, that could have gone through the, the, the journey in 14 days, took 40 years to come to the place where we are at this morning. 40 years, that's a long time. That's a long time to be waiting for a promise. That's a long time to be waiting for a breakthrough because you held it up with your complaining, with your disobedience. Something that could have come immediately, that could have been within a matter of 14 days just to cross through. But no, disobedience held you up. No, lack of faith held you up. Poor attitude, hard hearts towards God. They went around in their wanderings. But verse 1 tells us that Joshua rose up early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. Could you imagine that early morning devotion that Joshua had with God? As he woke up, for those of you that like to do your devotions in the morning, you maybe take that time as very precious to you. Nobody in the house is up. It's nice and quiet. It's still. There's no distractions. And as he's in his morning devotions, he's knowing that as he looks out, there is that Jordan River. And he knows that God has promised him in Joshua 1, and 10 and 11 to tell the people to prepare their provisions. Because in three days, they're going to make a journey. But when he sees that in order to go to the promised land, that there's this Jordan that needs to be crossed, you could understand that his mind is perhaps perplexed. God, how? I know that you said to me in I'm going to say in Joshua 1 and 9, that's not how Joshua said it. I know that you told me, do not fear that I'm going to be with you. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I know you promised your presence, God, but before me is this water. And God, 
Behind me is two million people. A whole nation of people. God, how will I do this? How will I lead them from here to there? I could just hear Joshua's musings in his mind. And then he takes up the strength and he, and he goes with the people and they set out from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. And he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. Now, you know, it was only about a half a mile, 0.9 of a kilometer that they had to walk. For those of you that like to do walking, that's not a long walk maybe 30 minutes, unless you're a brisk walker, like some people that we know, then maybe you could do it in 25, 20, 15. But they had 0.9 kilometers to walk, but it took them the greater portion of the day because there was 2 million of them that had to walk from Shittim to the Jordan. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they just cascaded themselves around. And what did they do? They rested. Why? Because in that journey, don't forget, isn't just people walking. It's people with all of their possessions. So now you're walking with children in tow. You're walking perhaps leading a, a camel, perhaps leading a, a flock. You're walking and everything is in tow. Have you ever walked around with your children in your arms? They get, they get heavy after five minutes. Imagine that little bit of a journey that they had to take. That 0.9 kilometers, you carry a little baby for 0.9 kilometers. Some women do it for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> But you carry a baby and they're going to get heavy. So they needed to rest. And as they get there to the Jordan and they cascade themselves around to rest, we see here at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried, this is verses 2 to 4, by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubic lengths. Do not come here. Oh, you know what? Can we just rewind the tape for a moment? Rewind the live stream in your mind. The 2,000 cubics is the distance that they had to keep between them and the Levitical priests. That was the 0.9 kilometers, ladies and gentlemen. That was the 0.9 kilometers, not the Shittim to Jordan. That, that, that distance between them and the ark, they were to keep 0.9 kilometers between them. And the reason being is in order that you may know the way that you shall go. Why? Because you have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. You need to keep the ark before you. If the ark was going to be in the midst of the people, then those that were at the back could not see it as clearly. As long as the ark was before them, and as long as there was a space, all would be able to see the ark. What did the ark represent? The presence of the Lord. So this morning we have a cross there on the wall. No matter where you are in the sanctuary, you could see the cross. It has been uniquely placed so that at any direction you could see the cross. Whether it be a portion of the cross, whether it be a side view, a frontal view, you could see the cross. God distinctly said, make sure that the priests go before you, but do not come near the ark. Let there be a distance so that there wasn't one that could say, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to follow because the ark was before them. You haven't passed this way before. You don't know what you're doing. You may think you know. It may seem similar to you, but you haven't passed this way before. So your eyes need to be fixed upon the ark. Make sure that no one comes near the ark. 
This 2024 may seem like January 21st. We've lived how many January 21sts in our life? For each and every one of us in this room, that represents a different number. But you have never passed this way before. You have never seen 2024 before. You will not see the days that you will have faced this year before. For some of you, you're going to travel very sensitive territory. You've never seen that before. Not like what you're going to face now. For others, you're going to be experiencing encounters with God. For others, there will be breakthroughs. For others, you may face a trial that you've never imagined you would face. But all for what? For God to say you have not passed this way before. To let you know that his presence is ever before you. Keep your eyes on the ark. Don't let yourself grow in close to it. Keep your eyes on the, on the ark. Let there be a distance before. Let this be a marker to you. True faith requires that you have to follow the Lord in obedience. Faith requires your obedience, and your obedience requires following the Lord. Mark that down. Faith requires your obedience, and your obedience requires you following the Lord. Even though you don't know where you are going, even though you don't know the days that are ahead of you, even though you don't know what to expect this year, faith in the Lord's presence in your life requires your obedience. And your obedience requires you following it, even when you don't understand. Even when it makes no sense. Even when everyone around you is saying, how could you be holding on to that little morsel of belief? How are you managing it? Faith. is being obedient and following the Lord. These children had, of Israel had that 3,000 square feet, 3,000 feet to pass that needed to be between them and the ark. That's a distance. In my, in my troubled times, that's what I want to cling to as a cross. In my troubled times, I want to cling to the presence of God. In my troubled times, I want to say, Lord, I just want to feel your presence near me. And God is saying, put the ark at 3,000 feet away. Put the ark at 0.5 of a mile. Put the ark at 0.9 of a kilometer away from you. I can imagine that the children of Israel would have wanted, no, no, but I want to be, I want to be the one closest to. I want to be the, a part of the tribe that is closest to the ark. I want to be in the tribe that's in the front. That's not the point. The point is that God wanted the presence of his ark to be seen by all because within that ark was the promise of his presence that has been with them since their forefathers. You see, they haven't been this way before because they are a new generation. They weren't there when, they saw the, when their ancestors saw the Red Sea parted. That's like you and me hearing a miracle of somebody else telling how they encountered God's multiplication in their life, in their finances, how they encountered God's healing, but you never tasted of it. And so you're listening to their story. Oh, that's very good. Oh, wow. That would have been how these children of Israel would have been. They would have remembered that they heard that their ancestors, how God parted the Red Sea and how they passed through on dry grounds, but they have never experienced it. Now the faith wet measure would be, will you believe? Will you believe that I will do it for you? Faith in the promise of God that he would never leave them or forsake them. Is that not what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, chapter 31, verses 6 and 8? For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It is the Lord who goes before you. 
I want you to remember this, that in 2024, the Lord is going before you. No matter what you will face in your good days and in your bad days, the Lord is going before you. He is Jehovah Shammah, the one who is present. Joshua 1 and 9, again, as I read it earlier, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter what comes your way, the Lord is with you. Some of you haven't grasped that fully today. But no matter what lies ahead, if there's, if there's ever a time that I want to be the nagging voice in your head, I want to be something that just verbates your eardrum over and over, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. En route to the doctor, the Lord is with you. En route to that job interview, the Lord is with you. Faith requires your obedience, and your obedience requires you following him. And following him is not always something that you see, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11 and 1. It's the substance of things hoped for but not something that you naturally see. And so then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Ah, now this faith takes another element. It takes another level. This faith takes a consecration. This faith takes a, 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 a a step that says, you know what, God? I am going to set my eyes as flint before you. I am not going to allow the distractions of the world. I'm not going to allow the distractions of my friends. I'm not going to allow those things that weigh me down. I'm not going to allow that diagnosis to weigh me down. No, Lord, no. I am going to set my face as flint before you. I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to set apart those things that have been distracting me from walking in your holy presence. I'm going to set aside those addictions. I'm going to set aside those distractions. And Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. Because my faith is not just in my obedience and in my following, but it's in my consecration. You see, we all say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm following Jesus. Oh, I'm a follower of Christ. You know, some people won't even say they're Christians. I'm a follower of Christ. Are you believing him as you're following him? Are you leaving that example that when others look at your life, they see a life that has been set apart? A life that just doesn't walk around as though they are holier than thou, they don't, a life that has been consecrated to God doesn't need to boast of their holier-than-thou spirituality. They just need to walk. And the Lord that is within them will draw men to him. Why? Because the Lord draws, when he, he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When your life is living consecrated for Christ and it is exalting the God that you believe in, people will be drawn. Not because you said, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I went to church. No, but because they see Christ in you. They see the holiness of God in you. Have you ever heard the exchange? Oh, and he calls himself a Christian. Those are the ones that boast rather than live. Walk in a consecration to God and live holy for him. Paul said it this way, I appeal to you, Romans 12 and 1, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Have you presented yourself to the Lord this morning? Lord, I'm your, I'm, I, I present myself. 
as a living sacrifice to you, Lord. I sacrifice the things that I want and exchange them for the things that you want. Lord, when everyone around me is going around doing this and that, Lord, I'm just going to choose to withdraw from that. Those lifestyles that would exchange the holiness of God within you for one that is compromised. How many of us in the, in the setting of this morning service know deep within your heart you've compromised? You've compromised your walk with God. That holiness that would be exuding from you is being held back by your compromise. Maybe that compromise is a, is a favorite habit that you do. Maybe that compromise is TV. Maybe that compromise is your computer. Maybe that compromise is a bottle. Maybe that compromise is a pill. Maybe that compromise is friends. Consecrate yourselves. And so Joshua commanded the priests in verse 6 to take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. This faith is about to lead them into an encounter that they have never had before. This faith of the priest taking up the ark and going before the people. Joshua then goes in verse 7 and said, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of your covenant. When you come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Today I want to exalt you, Jordan. I want to exalt you in the presence of Israel, in the sight of Israel. Why? Because God is wanting to encourage him. That's how God handles us. He wants to encourage us in our faith. I know you're taking a step that is difficult. I know there's 2,000 people with their eyes gawking at you, wondering what is going to be the next move, Joshua. But Joshua, I'm telling you, just tell those priests. Just tell them to stand in the, in the Jordan. Just tell them to stand. Can you imagine the, the Joshua telling the priests, just stand in the Jordan? Joshua, like, there's water in the Jordan. You want us to take the ark into the Jordan? Just stand in the Jordan. Go take the ark and stand in the Jordan. They see the body of water that is before them. And I want to submit to you something, that this body of water is not just a simple little bubbling brook. It's not just a stream that is flowing. It's not even a low river. At this time of the year, this Jordan is swollen with water. Because it's harvest season. And so it's not as we see sometimes in, 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 the, um, in the videos where, where Jesus is being baptized. Don't get the idea that this is just a, a body of water that they could walk through. At this time of the year, it is very swollen with water. At its deepest point, it could be as much as 17 feet. You carry an ark through 17 feet and you're five feet tall. Something's going to go wrong. And, jo and, and Joshua's saying, just stand in the Jordan. You want us to stand in the Jordan, Joshua? The water there is at least 17 feet, at least 14 feet. Stand in the Jordan. When everything seems uncrossable in your life, I want to know this morning, are you willing to stand? Or will you cave? Will you stand when it seems like the waters are too high? Will you stand when it seems like everything is going to come in like a flood upon you? Will you stand when you feel like a bobbing bob? What do you call those things? A fishing lure, blah, 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 on the water where you can barely get a breath. Will you stand? When it seems like everything is uncrossable, 
When you've come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. Why? Because his next promise, his promise is when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, my promise is, Jordan, just tell them to stand. I'm up to something. Brothers and sisters, can you stand this morning knowing that when the water seems high, God's going to pass you through those waters. Joshua, follow me. Obey me. I'm going to lead you through. I'm going to lead you and this people through this water. I want to I, I pause for us to hear um, a, a story. It's a true story. And uh, so if the media team could just play it for this moment. Can we have it a little louder? started up just fine well we taxied out I said should we pray he said yeah that's a good idea we normally don't I said well this time we're gonna <laughs> and I'm telling you I prayed five eight minutes I prayed a long time we went and got on the runway he starts down the runway the plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful not a problem in the world we started climbing and we flew probably three four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give me, I said, tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. 
And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and he said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights, and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about 4 in the morning. I knock at my door. And I open the door, and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. And that's the picture of the Jordan crossing this morning. Because Joshua was given a simple command from the Lord. Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your heart. Meditate on it day and night. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I'll be with you. Joshua, don't fear. Don't fear, Joshua, I'm with you. In order for those people to be able to have faith, in order for the priests to have faith and trust that when Joshua said to them, go, stand in the Jordan, there had to be a demonstration of, of Joshua's faith before them. For them to be able to believe, there had to be a real knowing that the God that promised Joshua that he would be with them was demonstrated through his life. For those priests to say, yes, Joshua. And so first we see Joshua walking in obedience. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how we're going to pass this Jordan, God. It's barley season, God. The harvest is high. The Jordan is swollen. I don't know how we're going to make it, but God, you said you'll be with me. God, I'm going to believe you that no matter what, when you said you would never leave me nor forsake me, that you would see me through. God, this is a time in which I'm going to see you. You, and I'm going to believe you. 
And so then he tells the priest, you go ahead, you stand in the Jordan, and I can hear the priests in their hearts. We got to be crazy. We got to be crazy to be doing this. But there's something within Joshua, I believe it too. I see an unresolved faith. I see a strength within him. Me too. Are you sure we're doing the right thing? We're doing the right thing. And they go to the center of the, of the Jordan and they stand. And the word of God says that as soon as they put their feet in the waters, as soon as they put their feet in the waters, the waters were held up. The waters were held up. December 31st, 2024. God is already at the end of your year calling you through. He is already at the end of your year calling you through. He's asking you, just believe me. I will see you through. I will see you through to victory. I will see you through to breakthrough. I will see you through that trial. I will see you through that victory. I will see you through that healing. I am holding up every Hittite, every ite that wants to cascade into your life. I want it to, I'm holding up every water that wants to overturn you. I'm holding up everything that wants to drown you. But if you would have faith this morning, if you would just believe me, I'm here at the end of your year. I'm calling you to the end from the beginning of the year. Have faith in me. We will cross over this water. We will cross over. But I need your obedience. I need your faith that what I said is true. What I promised I will do, I will do. I need your trust that when everything seems to be going wrong, that you will continue to follow me. You know, the illustration was a man in an airplane and the, pa and the pilot passing out. But you know the interesting thing, many of us get on airplanes and we think nothing of it. We're excited to get to our vacation destination. We're excited to get to that next place. But in that airplane is a pilot at the front. And what is before him is a runway. And there's a point in time that that runway comes to an immediate end. There's no further going. That pilot has to take faith to know that when he reaches the end of that runway, he will take flight. And that when he takes flight, he will go from level to level to level. He will hit clouds. Those clouds will cause turbulence. He will hit rainstorms. He may hit hail. He will encounter several difficulties and the passengers are all riding along for the flight. Not knowing the many things that that pilot has, has endured to, to keep that plane steady. But he had faith that at the end of the runway, he would take flight. Why? Because he traveled that way before. But you and I have not traveled this way before. He knows every pilot knows that at the end of the runway, he's going to take flight. But what he doesn't know is what is unveiled in that flight. What is before him in that flight. Do you think at 9-11 that those people that were in those planes and that some of those pilots knew what beheld them? You don't know the year that is before you, and this is not a doom and gloom. Because for many of us, if not all of us, the very fact that we will reach the end of the year is victory. The very fact that next year, should the Lord tarry, that we will end the year with a celebration of his goodness is victory. 
In the end, we win because we have the presence of the Lord with us. But we have to have the faith. And verse 9, Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God, that the living God is among you and that you... And that he will, without fail, drive out before you all of the Canaanite, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Girgashites, and Amorites, and Jebusites. Why? Because Joshua already knew on the other side of that Jordan, the enemies laid. On the other side of tomorrow, you may face something, but the promise is that the Lord is with you. Joshua is prophesying to them that the living God, the Lord of all the earth, is with them. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribe of Israel and each tribe. And when the soles of the feet bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest on the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. Because God held up the enemies working in your life. You don't even know what the Lord stopped the enemy from doing in you today. What the, enemy, what the Lord stopped the enemy from doing in you yesterday. If we were to, sometimes we groan and we complain at what we think is not happening in our life because we're overwhelmed by what is happening. But if we were to see as God sees, we would see the hand of the Lord on our lives like we could never imagine. The accidents that he prevented you from being in. The financial demise that he prevented you from being in. The provision of food. The salvation of your children. You know, Rick and Elaine, we've been praying for you as a church, and it's, it's not a secret, they've been facing a battle with their daughter. And we're all believing for her daughter to come home, as in the prodigal being saved. But you know what is beautiful about the picture? She's home. The foretelling of the end, that she will be saved, is that she's home. Oh, it may be hell sometimes. Yeah, maybe they want to pull out their hair. Maybe sometimes they just want to give up the fight. Maybe they've, they've cried out and screamed, but God, where are you? We've been praying. Enough is enough. Why is the enemy having so much victory? When are you going to save her? When are you going to call her home as not the presence of God, but into the salvation of God? But the foretelling picture is she's home. Joshua is telling them that they're going to cross the Jordan and that God is going to take care of all the enemies in their life. And they're like, wait a second. We just came out of the wilderness and you're talking about enemies. And guess what? When they crossed through the Jordan, the ground was completely dry their feet did not get dirty. Their feet did not get muddy. It was completely dry ground. Those priests stood and the people passed. And the priests stood and the people passed. And when they arrived on the other side, what land did they arrive to? What was the name of the place that they arrived to? Jericho. Thank you. And what happens in Jericho? They, they face the walls. They just came through the Jordan. They just saw the demonstration of God's power and already they're in their next battle. Why? So that God could say, just as I passed you through the Jordan, just as I passed you through the waters and held up the waters and not one of you drowned, not one of you were your, were your feet wet or dirty, not one of your camels or not one of your, what do you call those things, those trolleys, got stuck in the mud. 
I want to say wheelbarrow, but I know I'm wrong. What would you say? Wagons. Thank you. Who would have thought? Not one of your wagons got stuck in the mud because I made sure the ground was dry. But yet when you land, you're in Jericho. Get ready. Gird yourself up. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the great crossing over requires this. Follow his presence. Follow his presence presence every day that you wake up this year lord may your presence go before me lord i thank you that i woke up i have breath in my lungs i have air to breathe i woke up thank you that i woke up i still have life in my body lord today i will follow your presence. Today I will consecrate myself before you. Today, Lord, let me see your goodness pass before me. Oh, the trials will come. So will the days of joy. So will the days of laughter. So will the days where you feel like, praise God, you have been so, so good. But when the difficulties come, he is still good because he will see you through. He will cross you over and the waters will not overtake you. He will pass you through. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because he's the living God. He is the Lord of all the earth and he stops the water. Today, brothers and sisters, the Lord looks at us. We're only week three, only tw the 21st day of this year, 2024. Some have already started to count down. Other, others haven't even began to con conceive in their mind what the Lord has before them. But this thing I will say, the Lord is with you. He is with you every step of the way. As the pre, as the, I was going to say as the priests come forward, but it's okay. As the worship team come forward... <laughs> As the worship team comes forward to lead us, I want to say this to you. The priests went and stood in the Jordan. What are we called? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. God calls you to stand in your Jordan this morning. He calls you to stand in your Jordan this morning with his presence with his presence. Set yourself apart. Stand as that royal priesthood. Stand in the place that you are in. And when the waters rise up, when you feel like they're getting higher and higher, know that God in the precise moment will hold up the dam. And he will see you through. Joshua is just a picture to us of Jesus. That's what he is, a picture of Jesus. Because Jesus in obedience came for our life. That we could have a hope. That we could look to him. And know that he is our eternal hope. And that he is our eternal salvation. This morning, can we look at Joshua's example of faith? And can we say, Lord, would you just stir up the faith that is within me? May I believe as Joshua did. Lord, may I take your word and may I just allow it to just ruminate in the heart of my mind and my soul. May I meditate on it day and night as Joshua did. May I come to know the living God as Joshua did. May I know him better and better each day. May you live and dwell within me that others that come around me would sense and feel the very presence of God. 
Lord, that I would be that royal priesthood, that I would be that one that would stand before you saying, Lord, that you would use me as a living sacrifice. Could we pray that prayer this morning? Knowing that God is with us. He's never left us, nor is he forsaken us. Joshua chapter 3 just is a story, it seems, of a bunch of people crossing over. But when God held back those waters, he was holding back the principalities and the powers in, in picturistic form that want to overtake us. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the living God, as it is said in the text, held back the waters because he alone had the power too. He was the creative power of those waters. But how much more today is he holding back the principalities? No weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, you can refute that tongue. You can refute those words. Why? Because it's an heritage from the Lord. Why? Because he has held back the enemy against us that wants to overwhelm us. Here it says in Colossians 2.15, I don't think I gave it to the team back there, but it says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him how did he triumph over them through the cross through the cross this morning that cross is there for you to come and surrender your life to that cross is there to remind you of what he did and what he will continue to do he has conquered over the enemy and the enemy has been defeated 
I want to invite those that would want to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that you would come and make that commitment at the altar. I want to invite those that would say, I want to dedicate this year to him, that I would live and see the victory that Joshua saw, that I would see that the Lord has crossed me over every battle, that I would see that on the other side of every hurdle I face, my feet were not even dirtied from the battle. God is faithful and is, he is ever with you. He's your ever-present help in time of need. And so this morning, I know we already had an altar call, but if you want prayer and you want to dedicate this year to the Lord, the altar is open. If you want to dedicate your heart to the Lord, who here this morning wants to surrender their heart to Jesus? So then that means we're all born again. We're all living for Jesus. We all have tasted and known of his salvation. Today, may the Lord be with you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord give you peace in knowing that he is already at the end and he's calling you through. Amen? Stand and see the salvation of your Lord. Father God, I thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you for the tasting of your goodness. I pray, mighty Jesus, that as each of us goes our separate way, that, Lord, we would not be under a doom and a gloom, but, Lord, we would be under the victory, that we are going to see a victory, that, Lord, you are ever with us. Your presence goes before us, it is beside us, and it is behind us. And, Lord, you hedge us in on all fronts. So, Lord, I declare a blessing over your people. I declare a blessing over the people of Logos and over 2024 that this year we will see a victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.